This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Tom Hine. Good to have you guys with us. Jake, good to have you here with me today. Howdy. How are we yeah, doing? Good. Well, okay. It <laughs> yeah. is 2020. Oh, yeah. And actually, thinking about 2020, we're in the week where we had this big wind that hit about 70, 80 miles per hour. And so my house got hit. I found this piece of the house two blocks away. Yeah. It was all mangled up. And so I had somebody come over, work on it. We got it fixed. And then I put some more nails in the house today to hold it together better. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. We got lucky, but I've been, past two days, I've been chopping trees for a couple of buddies. And it's been, it's been nuts. Yeah, I keep asking what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really just hoping for, if we can get Christmas here, I feel like we'll make it. But who knows? Yeah, for some of us, the loss of the Big Ten football season is a major crisis. Yes, yeah, Tim and uh, John were mourning that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll survive that. Yeah. But we do. I do keep wondering what's going to happen next, yeah. it, which which fits with what we're talking about today. Yeah, it feels a little bit like we're living in the end times. Yeah, like it revelation is. So we're talking about Revelation today. We've been going through chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation on Sunday mornings during worship, as Pastor Ryan and myself have been preaching through the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. What we're going to do today is do a little bit of a whole overview of Revelation, think about how do we understand it better. We're not going to dive into a lot of details. Yeah, you can't. No. 25 minutes. Uh, so we're just going to take a big view. I'm going to interact some with Jake or whatever questions he comes up with. Great. If he doesn't have any, I'll just talk, which... That works, too. I'm sure I'll have some questions. Okay. We'll see if I can answer them. We <laughs> were talking yeah, we were talking about part. we were talking about people we were talking with people here in the office, and some of them were saying, I'm afraid of revelation. I said we all are. Uh, it's a hard book to understand. But I feel like as the years go by, I have a little more sense of the point of revelation. Not that I have the details worked out. That's really difficult, but as uh, we'll talk about here a little bit more of the purpose yeah. of the book. Well, that's such an important part is you can get revelation. You can get lost in the details and what's the seven-eyed dragon and all that jazz. But yeah, the purpose, why it's written for us is yes, still worth exploring. Exactly. So it starts off, the revelation. And actually, that's one word in Greek, apocalypsis. Uh, from which we get the word apocalyptic that we'll talk about a little bit later. But it just starts off, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the question that comes up immediately is, is this a revelation from Jesus, or is it a revelation that shows who Jesus is? Hmm. And like some of these questions, the answer is yes to both. Yeah, I would. I was kind of guessing. Yeah. Following along and... Yeah, exactly. On the one hand, we have Jesus speaking truth, wonderful truth. But on the other hand, we see amazing visions of who Jesus mm -hmm. is. Yeah, coming back to the second coming is, I mean, that's some of my favorite. Jesus is a victor and 
coming back the way he really could have came back the first time, but yes. he chose to come in humility. Yes. So the traditional author is noted to be the Apostle John, and mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of reasons in terms of the text, in terms of people that have looked at Revelation down through the centuries. Um, he's a prophet, he's a servant, he calls himself John. And probably toward the end of the first century, under a guy by the name of Domitian, who reigned in Rome from about 81 to 96, um, there's evidence during that time of persecution. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, that is, I believe, the author. Um, And the question that comes up then, who is John? Where was he when he wrote it? Um, And one of the things that we find is that in about AD 70, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, instituted a policy that they would kick out members of the synagogue who are followers of Jesus. Okay. And... So that's, from the Jewish side, that's part of where the pressure started. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Roman side right. as well. Not fond of Christians either. Yeah, exactly. And so both of those things were coming down heavy against Christians. And so John ended up on the island of Patmos. And okay. my brother has actually been there back oh, really? about 30 wow, years ago. Yeah, it's just kind of a rock with a monastery there oh, okay. now and things. But he ended up in a cave there, and God revealed these things to him. So I've always heard that he was exiled. So it wasn't an exile in that he was literally sent there, but just kind of forced. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was forced an exile, to... forced exile. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the pressure was yeah. on him. He was the last of okay. the apostles living. Yeah. Almost like a, a refugee at that point. Yeah, He's exactly. Running away from the persecution to yes. this place. Yep. Okay. Because one of the questions I've heard is, how did he get the letter out then if he was stuck on that island? But I suppose there were ways to smuggle things off and whatnot yeah. if it wasn't... And obviously there were people that were traveling somewhat right. back and forth yeah. to the island. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm. He got there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, But less of a prison and more of a secluded spot where people who were unwanted by yeah, everyone exactly. else could be. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So we come to Revelation, we know that there, that it's written to these seven churches, and the seven churches passed the letter around, or possibly the whole thing was given to each of these seven churches. Mm-hmm. And so then, that's some of the historical context, and obviously it's also for us, and the question that comes up is, do we interpret it literally, quote, quote, literally? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a tough question to ask. It's a tough question to ask about any part of the Bible, really. Yeah. Because what do you mean by literally? Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, I don't know, it doesn't seem natural to take it, like, super literally. I mean, it's unlikely that some of those things are actually, like, what, seven-headed animals and whatnot. But also, you get into trouble if you spiritualize too much of it. Where well, yes. Yeah. So, so literally. Literal is related to the word literature, and it depends on the type of literature. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible has many different types of literature. It has historical documents. It has poetry. Mm -hmm. It has parables. It has what we call narrative or stories. And this particular style is called apocalyptic. Okay. From the first word <laughs> right, of right. Revelation. And there are other places in the Bible where there's apocalyptic. What would some of those other so, places be? So, like the second half of Daniel. 
Oh, okay. In fact, in the fall, we're going to preach through Daniel. Mm-hmm. And so in later fall, we'll be in the second half. Touch we'll find similar kinds of very symbolic language that's used. Okay. Is there anywhere else? Or are those kind of the two? number of places? Okay. Isaiah has several passages. Ezekiel has several passages. Uh, Joel, I think, has some passages. In the New Testament, Matthew 24 has a whole chapter that's apocalyptic that has all this symbolic language oh, okay. about Jesus returning and things. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Mark 13. Revelation chapters 4 through 22, Second Thessalonians 2. So, the so the question is then, are we interpreting it literally? Well, we're ter- interpreting it in light of its literature. What and so, kind of writing it is? Exactly. Okay. And so that's a major piece of interpreting any text is mm. asking that question. What, what am I reading here? Yeah. So it's a lot more like... Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia, very symbolic, okay. very picture-filled, and you just have to keep that in mind okay. when you come to it. So apocalyptic literature has lots of components, and one of those components is that it's used with a lot of symbolism and a lot of um, numbers and colors, and so you find numbers like three, Four, six, seven, ten, twelve. For example, uh, let's just take the uh, number seven. There are mm-hmm. seven. I won't go through all the verses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> take us a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are seven blessings, seven lampstands, seven stars, seven seals in the scroll, seven eyes of the lamb, seven horns, seven attributes of Jesus, and there's other places as well. And mm-hmm. so. These numbers, people debate, are those numbers literal, seven, mm-hmm. or are they symbolic of something? Seven being complete, ten being complete, twelve being complete. Okay. So that's one of the questions that comes up. Um, other kinds of aspects that we find in eschatological literature, there's a real emphasis on the sovereignty of God. And so what you see in Revelation is God reigns. Yeah. God is king. God's coming. Mm-hmm. And he has created the world and he's coming again. And so his sovereignty. Um, there's oftentimes a real struggle between dark and light, good mm-hmm. and evil. We see that Yeah. in Revelation. I think sovereignty is the one thing I always... We did a brief study, I mean, fly over with the, some of the middle school and high school boys, I think two and a half years back now. Um, and that was one of the questions is because you can get lost in the weeds of, okay, what do, what do the numbers mean? What are the scrolls? Like, is that, how's it all going to play out? But just seeing how in control God is and realizing that's how con- in control he is now doesn't feel like it necessarily when... 100-mile-an-hour winds come through. Uh, No, that's quite frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, but he is still on the throne. And, And yeah, in the midst of those kinds of things that happen, uh, we get upset. I get upset. We we do. It's like, oh, man, another thing happening. Yeah. What do I do now? And we all feel that and go through those things. But, yeah, we take a step back, fall on our knees, pray, Mm -hmm. cry out to God, 
And yeah, then we begin to see things. And so you can imagine John and other Christians oh, in the first century, they're just getting persecuted, their homes stolen, their jobs taken away, um, friendships that are fractured, and people that are just doing bad things to them, yeah. evil things. And they're asking those same kind of questions. What's going on here? It reminds me a lot today of the kinds of things that happen in other countries in some of my travels to oh, India. Yeah. I hear about the persecution that takes place. Kathleen was telling me this morning about a pastor that lost his life. I think she said in Uganda. And he was just pursued over some kind of way you defended people mm -hmm. and put to death. And so people around the world, even today, have these kinds of things happening, just yeah. not like we have here necessarily in the yeah, U.S. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And I've been to Thailand before, and their prison system is they'll throw you in, and then who knows what will happen after that. And it's just it's crazy to think about that. I mean, we do have it's, – it's crazy in America right now, but – Nothing compared to what some of those other people, other Christians are facing for their beliefs, that's for sure. Yeah, I had a friend in Indonesia that got thrown into prison for six months. Wow. And it was basically kind of a combination of issues with his visa, but that was kind of the undercover for uh, them being excuse, against him. Yeah. An excuse, exactly, oh, wow. for what he was doing with the wow. church. Yeah, so God's sovereignty would be even so much bigger to these first century Christians who were being, I mean, and Rome was pretty much the entire world at that point. So exactly. you can't really run away from that. Exactly. So, so revelations given to bring hope hmm. and to see um, just how great God is, how good God is, that God's going to bring justice and mercy, and he's going to resolve issues within our lives, within the lives of those who are persecuted and troubled. And so it's it's a hopeful book, even though there is all this crazy stuff going yeah. on within it. You do have to read to the end to get to the hope. Though. Uh, yeah, so exactly, sure. yeah, exactly. It's like I think I said on Sunday. The one thing we know about Revelation, even though it's hard to understand, in the end we win, mm -hmm. and that's good. Yeah. yeah awesome. So. There's different approaches people have taken to Revelation, and there's a lot of jargon around what these approaches are, so I'll try to keep away from the jargon. Lots of $10 words. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so they're good words, but uh, I think it's better just to put them in plain language. Mm -hmm. So one group would see this book only in light of the first century. Um, oh, they would say that it only describes what happened like in 70 A.D., when Jerusalem was overcome and uh, destroyed, and that it's, they'd also tie in Matthew 24 with this, and they'd see it all from a historical perspective, like we might look at Old Testament history. Right. And they'd say, there's nothing about the future. It was all just about okay. things that happened up through about 70 AD or so. Huh. Okay. That's, I don't think I've ever heard that perspective before. Is it a popular view? Is it? Uh, it would be a popular view among some Reformed oh, okay. and Presbyterians and people that would ne not necessarily be from a Bible or a Baptist kind of okay. a background, um, some Lutherans. And so the fact is that we do need to understand the history of what was going on, mm -hmm. just like any time we interpret a book of the Bible. And so I think that's the insight mm -hmm. that we have from that perspective is 
let's go back and dig in and find out what's going on. And so like as we're preaching through Revelation 2 and 3, we're talking about here's what's going on oh, in yeah, Thyatira. Yeah, here's what's going on in Pergamos as far as the emperor worship that was going on, as far as different ritualistic kinds of things going on, as far as uh, Anipus and the kind of pressure he was under, as far as uh, the Nicolaitans, and likewise with the rest of the different churches. Yeah. We, if we're going to understand it, we do need to understand the historical perspective. Yeah, it's it's really important to know kind of who was being written to and what was kind of going on in their lives. Otherwise, a letter doesn't make a lot of sense. Exactly, and we, we can carry that through in the rest of the book of Revelation, even though the emphasis is on what's going on in the future, is rooted in Old Testament history. I mean, so I think I read there were like 400 allusions in the book of Revelation to things going on in the Old Testament. So it helps to know that and to yeah. find those. So, well, to a yeah. certain extent, it almost reads more like an Old Testament book sometimes yeah, it than does. it feels New Testament. Yeah, it does. So a second perspective is that the book of Revelation describes church eras, particularly church eras of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not really inclined that direction much. I think that's a pretty creative idea. but <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to say it. That's a nice way to say yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think it has much validity. Yeah. Uh, third way to view it is that it's describing the future events that precede and follow the second coming of Jesus. And, of course, I would agree with that without losing the historical perspective. Yeah, that's, I've and, never really thought about keeping that historical historical perspective in mind at all. Yeah, so I think it's important that you tie together the Old Testament truth, the historical understanding of what was going on at the time, and the future emphasis, and bring those all together, which is why Revelation is such a hard book to understand yeah. Yeah, and interpret. Like <laughs> exactly. But, but a wonderful book to apply. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so that really makes us ask the question, so how do we apply it? And I'm not going to even touch on some of the theological aspects okay. of, like, we got these terms amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial. We could spend hours yeah, it could be a whole other episode those. just for those three right there. <laughs> exactly. But rather, I think it's important to ask the question, so how do we approach it? How do we apply it? And first, we do it with humility. Mm -hmm. We recognize that we're not going to understand everything. We can spend all of our life trying to interpret and understand this book, and we're not going to completely understand it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I feel confident saying that about most books, but this well, one this definitely. Is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, with awareness, understanding that throughout the history of the church, there are people that have thought that the Antichrist was on earth and that the coming of Christ would be immediate. Mm -hmm. And so we are to have that perspective, yeah. Lord, return, come oh, yeah. quickly, Lord. Mm -hmm. And we do need to have that awareness. But once we start identifying people as the Antichrist and start identifying activities that are going on around the world, wars and rumors of wars, mm -hmm. as saying, okay, this means it's, Surely it's the end it. time, today. Yeah. Well, then you cross a line. What are some of the downsides of, of that? I mean, why wouldn't I kind of look out into the world and see 
what's going on and say, okay, I mean, maybe the end times are soon? Well, I think uh, the perspective to have is in First John, it says, and I can't remember the exact chapter and verse, but it says many antichrists are in the world. Okay. And so I think it is helpful to identify movements that are antichrist or right. anti-Christian and certainly look at governments, look, look at people that are doing evil and identify them as being um, antichrist with a small a. Okay. Now, could they eventually become antichrist, big A, and bring everything to a culmination? Yeah. Sure. I mean, someone's someone's going to. Yeah, exactly. But... but I think it's more relevant and helpful just to identify patterns going on that we say this clashes with who we're to be and living for Christ, and this pressure against us is surely anti-Christian okay. or anti-Christ. That keeps it a little more. I don't know, keeping you grounded in the now. This is kind of okay. I see what's going on. This is what I can do. This is how I can be aware. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're answering the yeah. question, really. Yeah. We're, we're answering in process here. Yeah. I, I think that's the problem is if you start identifying people now or in the future that are big A antichrist, that's, you're not living in the present right. reality of what's going on. You've, yeah, you've created your own false reality that may or more likely not happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, disappointment can come yeah. or just like you say, just escaping Oh, yeah. Living for Christ in the here and now. Um, yeah. I was going to say most of us, I'll just say all of us have internal issues we're working out in the relationships, yeah. in the work context, in families, in our own living of yeah. today. So <laughs> Plenty to work on before we worry about oh, man. the Antichrist coming. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's important. Um, we talked about it earlier, just this big idea of truth uh, reigning and mm -hmm. of righteousness and the sovereignty of God. All these are really important mm -hmm. when we're reading through Revelation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, kingdom perspective, that God's kingdom is amazing and God's kingdom will come and mm -hmm. will reign and will last forever. That's important. And then, uh, oh, here's my note. Um, 404 verses that speak to the issue of, uh, that are from the Old Testament, drawn okay. out of the Old Testament. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's a lot. In the whole book of Revelation. Not that Exactly. True. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you figure like Revelation chapter 2 has 29 verses, Revelation 3 has um, yeah, cause that's... 22 verses, so... Yeah, yeah, that's about... Like about a number of times every chapter. Oh, yeah. A significant yeah. number of times. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's... I have a poem I'm going to finish with, but do you have any other thoughts Well, I just questions? wanted to... Uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoy being on this podcast. It's fun just to sit and listen. I kind of forget we're recording a podcast for a second. Um, but I, I appreciate kind of the... It's good to learn about things, and it's good to have curiosity, and... I mean, sometimes it is fun to kind of explore the details and what could it mean, what couldn't it mean. Um, but the application side of it, what can we learn about God from Revelation? What can I, how does my walk look different because I've read through Revelation is such an important part and the part that someone like me, I get a little lost in the weeds sometimes. So it's so important to keep that. So I appreciate your yeah, focus on Yeah, I do that. too, um, all the time. I can live in my head. And so I realize that. But um, 
First and foremost, Revelation 1, verse 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. That's God Almighty speaking. And Revelation 4 says that before the throne of God, day and night, these uh, seraphim are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then it says they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will they were created and have their being. And there's passage after passage in Revelation that brings us to the throne of God in worship. And so if you're having a bad day, um, going through difficult times, let's uh, go back and use the revelation to know Jesus, to see worship Jesus, yeah. to see his majesty exactly, and really understand our place and really understand God's plan. Amen. I think that's the big um, the big picture, the big idea, yeah. really, of revelation, for one thing. Um, I think it goes back to some of the things we said earlier, just understand history, understand our lives in light of all the things that have happened before us and don't become small-minded. Um, yeah, because, I mean, things are bad right now, but much worse has happened for a lot longer before Much this. worse has happened and will happen, and let's be aware of that and consider things in that context. Um, certainly, there are applications where we're called to live out our faith Revelation 2 and 3 speaks to that as we're going through these seven churches and the messages to the seven churches are messages to us individually, to us as a congregation. Let's live out oh, absolutely. these things. Certainly, um, hope that we find in the latter passages in Revelation about day and time when there will be no more mourning and mm -hmm. um, when uh, things will be brought to what is right and true and good and pure and lovely and uh, should bring us great hope. Yeah, it kind of brings it. I love some of those later revelation talking about how things will be, and it almost feels kind of like the Garden of Eden, but forever <laughs> as opposed to. Well, it is return to the Garden, exactly. Yeah. And so that is, those are certainly some of the applications that come from Revelation. I think. Um, kind of related to some of this is God has a plan and mm -hmm. he's working out his plan in history and we can take confidence in that. Mm -hmm. And especially a book like Revelation that looks all the way back to the Old Testament and picks up on prophecies and truth from the Old Testament is one of those places in scripture you say, wow, that's amazing. That that's all connected. Oh yeah. Together. Stuff from, I mean, because Old Testament from I mean, you're talking thousands of years going yes. back to some of those yes. original prophecies that exactly. Revelation kind of brings to light. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's he's a big picture kind of God. I mean, he works in the small things too, but yep. he has the entirety of humanity planned out. That's amazing. Yep. So those are some of the applications. I'd encourage all of us to read through Revelation, think about it. I know some of us and many of us hopefully are either in person at worship or listening or watching on Facebook Live. But I encourage you, read through the whole book. 
we've got a few more. If you're listening to this right after we produced it, we've still got a few more weeks uh, that we're preaching in Revelation. And it would be helpful and good for you to just read through the whole book. You get through one chapter a day in 22 days, or if you take three chapters a day, you get through in about a week. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important, even if you going into it realizing, okay, I'm not going to understand every single thing. I might read one chapter and be like, okay, I'm not really sure what to do with that, but there's still something you'll you'll get out of it. There's still so much in there that speaks to who God is and how he interacts with us. Amen. That's a good place to... Yeah, finish so up did you have a poem you were gonna get oh that's right we have that poem i'm, I'm curious um, i've forgotten about it but here it is um so this is a poem i found on revelation it's called revelation poem by pat bergeron it scares me just a little this mystifying revelation but then again it piques my curiosity and stirs my imagination but i've learned i must be careful how i view the message there making sure i'm not dogmatic and exegeting it with care. I know the language is symbolic, so I can't be wild and free with my interpretation and ignore the ambiguity. Good rhyming there. Uh, Genre is important. I must remember that. Never thinking that my answers are the only answers that are pat. But I hope that I can hear the words the Father has to say. Look for Christ to come again. Show others he's the truth, the life, the way. And then that I'll remember as I struggle daily in my earthly role that God will win. You reign supreme. He is in control. I love the way that finishes. Yes. That's an awesome poem. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate that. Hearing some wisdom from you. Yeah. Being able to ask some questions. Thanks for interacting with me, Jake. Yeah.